If you have your conference notebooks, you can turn to the next blank page. Uh, and we're going to look tonight at this idea of the humble life. We've looked at the revived life. Last night, uh, we looked at the honest life. Tonight, we're going to look at the humble life. Um, and I got to be honest with y'all. This message is probably one of my harder messages. Because I feel like there's a mirror that I'm just preaching to the guy in the mirror. Because pride is something that I deal with a lot. I deal with with pride in so many different ways. Look look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, 5. It says, "Then, then I said, it's all over. I'm ruined. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. Isaiah begins to see himself in the right perspective. When God is high and lifted up and on the throne of life, we realize that, man, I... I don't belong there. I I don't even belong inside the temple. I shouldn't even be in the presence of God because I am a sinful person. I mean, my my thoughts are sinful, much less my actions. But Isaiah had this idea, right? He, He began to lead us into this idea that it's an honest and a humble response to God that God then begins to bless. So here's the deal. We will react, respond, and live from one of two perspectives. All of life comes down to one to two perspectives. You ready? It is either pride or humility. We'll either live our lives from a place of pridefulness or a place of humility. So let's define what pride is. Pride is this, doing what I want to do when I want to do it, putting myself above God and others. Pride is what I want to do when I want to do it, putting myself above God and others. Is this something that we have to teach people? No, I could take you right now for an object lesson if we all walked down to the nursery. And we walked in to see these little children in the nursery who probably could start crawling. It'd probably be best if they were able to move. And we were to take this toy and set it in the center of the room. And we left it there for a while. Obviously, nobody's playing with it. They're all kind of doing their own little thing. And then little Johnny sees the toy. What does little Johnny want? The toy. So little Johnny's going to crawl over to the toy and he's going to start playing with the toy. Well, that's great till little Sarah sees him playing with the toy. Then what does little Sarah want? The toy. Why does Sarah want the toy? Sarah's got a great toy. She's been playing with it for the last half hour. But now all of a sudden she wants that toy. Why? Because Johnny has it. I want what you have because you have it and I don't. That's pride. We don't have to teach pride. I see it in my own grandsons. And it hurts me. Because I think, man, I've passed this down to them. But guess what? It's in all of us. It's been passed down to all of us. Thank you, Adam and Eve, for making a choice in the garden to what? Be like God. Like you had all of the trees you wanted, but what? You had to eat the one that God said, don't eat from that tree. Well, I want that tree. Why? Because he said, I can't have that tree. I want what I don't have because you have it. I I want... Pride is doing what I want to do. Look at what the Bible says about pride. 1 Peter 5, 5. And, and all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. 
For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute. I thought that was James 4, 6, because that was in the video, right? That was in James 4, 6, and you're saying 1 Peter 5, 5. Yes, it's in both books. Why? Well, God wanted to make sure we heard this. Can I give you a hint? This is taken from a psalm. <laughs> Anytime God says something for three times, you might want to pay attention God is doing that for a reason because he knows, listen, there's something you've got to learn about this. God opposes the proud. Now, I love this word opposes. Uh, Peter is is giving some instructions uh, to the elders and to the leaders of the church. And he's telling them, listen, submit yourselves to God. Young men, submit yourselves to the elders uh, and to those that are older than you. But then he looks to the entire congregation and he says, listen, all of you dress yourselves in humility. Become a servant. Why? Because God opposes the proud. Now, I love this word, opposes. It's this idea that God is actively working against the proud people. You ever felt like everywhere you went, God was working against you? Question, do you have a pride problem? It's like this picture of, of you know, like this, this Heisman Trophy kind of person. You know, they're, they're, they're pushing away the tackler and stuff. Like, this is this idea of God. He is, he is actively working against the proud person. But look at what it says, but he gives grace to the humble. We're going to talk about that tomorrow night. Tomorrow night's probably my favorite message in the whole week when we talk about grace. So what is Humility. Humility is this, seeing others and their needs as more important than my own. Now, it's not meaning that, that my needs are not important. What, what's it mean? It means that their needs, others, are more important than me, putting them ahead of myself. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he says, don't be selfish, Don't try to impress others. Welcome to pride, right? Pride is what I want when I want it, putting myself above God and others. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. I love this. A lot of times we think humility is putting myself down while I lift others up. Look at what it says. Don't look out only for your own interests. Wait, what? I can look out for what I want, sure, but also take an interest in others. So not just pushing others down and only worrying about me, but man, look to me and to others' interests. Be interested in all of those that are around you. Take an interest in what they do. See, here's the problem. We have a problem in life, and we have a problem in the church. The problem is an I problem. What I want, when I want it, I don't care about anybody else. It's an I problem. We, we think about this a lot. Of, how many of you, don't, be, don't raise your hands, have gone home and went, I just didn't like the music today. You know, I, that, that sermon just wasn't the best sermon I've, I've heard the pastor preach. Like, yeah. The greeters, they, they didn't smile when I came in the door. Like, nobody greeted me. I just, I didn't feel important. I didn't feel needed. I didn't feel wanted. Anybody see a problem there? It's I. Anybody listen to country music? I want to talk about me, want to talk about my, want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I hope, what I want, what I need. 
I like talking about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I want to talk about me. I mean, isn't that why we all get together anyways? Is to talk about me, right? Just, just kidding. If you're talking about me, we might have problems. Um, here's our problem. Our problem is pride. The problem that you and I have in all of life, and the problem that we have in the church is pride. Even as believers, we struggle with this, which is why Paul begins to, to write it and why, why Paul says in Philippians and why, why we're going to study in First Peter, why they talk about this idea of humility, why Philippians says that we should have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who humbled himself. This is why the scriptures talk about that. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us think too highly of ourselves too often, and too much. We can tend to see that what God is doing in and around us and through us is because of us. We get this mentality of, listen, God loves everyone. I'm just his favorite. Some of you are like, well, yeah, I am. Thank you, Ryan, for for pointing that out. Now, I know some of you would never say this. You would never go, God, you know what? You're lucky to have me on your team. If anybody gets the MVP trophy, it's got to be me. Like, I get the big medal. Like, I'm, I am the MVP. I know you would never say something like that. I'm going to be honest. There's a time in my life when I lived like that. Even in ministry. I thought God was blessing the ministry because of what I was doing. And we, we were seeing teenagers coming to know Christ left and right, grew a youth group from 15 to well over 100. God was doing great stuff, and I was thinking, God, you're lucky to have me on your team. I was a big fish in a little pond. Man, God, you're lucky to have me. I went to the next church, and man, it, it happened again. God was just blessing and blessing. And oh, it had to have been. I, I had to be the world's best communicator. I had to be the best relationship builder ever. God, you're lucky to have me on your team. Went to the next church. You seeing a cycle here? Didn't stay at church as long. Took about four of them, all ending in the same way. For me to go, man, those churches are really messed up. Those pastors really have issues. And God got a hold of my heart. I'm a math teacher and I realized there was a common denominator. Me. God started to hold the mirror up in front of my face. I realized that, you know what, the the problem in all of those was me. The problem was my pride. God removed me out of ministry for a time. Spent 11 years printing t-shirts. Can I just tell you that was not fun? Great memories, great friends. Man, summers in Florida are hot. And when you're on a floor printing t-shirts with dryers that are a thousand degrees each and you got four of them out there, I mean, it gets even hotter. And God began to teach me some things. Tell you, working at Chick-fil-A in my, in my mid-30s, getting up at 4 a.m. and making 650 chicken biscuits by yourself is not fun. And the whole time you're going, you know, God, 
I remember at the age of 11, I walked an aisle and I, and I said, God, I, I wanted to be in ministry. I felt you calling me into ministry. Here I am with raw chicken at 6 a.m. Yes, it's the Lord's chicken. It's Chick-fil-A. But God, how does that fit? God said, Ryan, do you not get it yet? Do you not get it yet? I want your life. I want you in a relationship with me. You have a pride problem. Some of us would, would go to the other end of the spectrum. You might not ever say, God, you're lucky to have me on your team, but you might be over on this side of the spectrum saying, there is no way God even wants me on this team. There's nothing I can do. I'm horrible at this. I'm horrible at that. I can't do children's ministry. I can't do the nursery. I can't do youth ministry. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't. Hey, we're Baptists. We can't dance. Anyways, um, just making sure we get that clear, okay? But we, we put ourselves down, don't we? We, we will be quick when we're in a group and somebody says, hey, you do that really well. Oh, no, I, mm, I'm not good at anything. Can I tell you what that is? Still pride. It's a false sense of humility. Why do we say these self-abasing things? Because I want you to compliment me. I want you to pour into me and be like, hey, no, you're not right. You're great at a lot of things. You're good at this, and I saw you do that, and you're, you're amazing. That's pride, too. It's a, it's a false sense of humility. It's still focused on me. So how do we deal with this? Humility takes an honest evaluation of ourselves. We started that last night with the complete spiritual. We must gain the right perspective of our position to God. We must gain the right perspective. C.S. Lewis, amazing author, uh, wrote some, some great stuff, Mere Christianity, but also wrote the, the tales of Narnia. You know, I mean, great imagination. Uh, this is what he says. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's, it's not thinking less of who I am, but it's about thinking of me less and thinking of you more and thinking of God more and, and putting him in his place. So how do we then deal with this? Well, 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, all of you dress yourselves in humility. How? I love this idea of dressing ourselves in humility. It's, it's, this, it's something that we put on. It's not something that we are just naturally have. I mean, we've already talked about that. We're born with this pride issue. And so, so what Peter is saying is, listen, clothe yourselves or dress yourselves in humility as you relate to each other. So then how do we clothe, our, clothe ourselves with humility? couple of quick things. You ready? The first thing is this. Humble yourself. Oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. There you go. It's a one-point sermon. We can go home now, right? Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We're, we're done on 19. No, here's, let me show you. You ready? Uh, verse 6 goes on to say this. So humble yourselves. Where? This is the key. Where? Under the mighty power of God. 
If we will humble ourselves under the mighty power of God and who he is, then guess what? At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. But we've got to humble ourselves under God and his mighty power. When we put him in his place, it's amazing how all of life gains a right perspective. The struggles you're having at home with your spouse or your kids or at work or the financial issues or whatever, all of that gains a proper perspective when we put God in his place and humble ourselves under his authority. Remember verse five, God does what to the proud? Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Anybody need grace? Then what do we have to do? Humble ourselves underneath the power and the authority of God. Here's the second thing. Give your worries and your cares to God. Give your worries and your cares to God. Now, here's the verse. I'm just going to read it and then I'll talk about it. You ready? Here we go. First Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares for you. Now, I remember hearing this verse as a little kid. Uh, anybody grew up doing the kids' praise stuff? Remember Salty the Singing Songbook, like this big blue song? Yeah, blue song. Like, who thought that would be a really cool idea? Let's make a blue hymnal, and we'll put Salty on the side with a face on it. Like, that's not going to scare kids or be weird. Um, listen, if you're like, I don't know what this Salty thing is, go look up kids' praise on YouTube, and you'll see videos of it, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Or you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad my church didn't do that stuff. But I remember that all of the songs in there were actually scriptures. And so there was this song, they were doing this camp thing and you know they'd gotten like lost in the woods and so this kid is all worried about what's going on and so then they start singing this song. I cast all my cares upon you. And so I remember this song. Well, my, my girls, uh, I get married, I have kids and my girls would wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare. And I'd go in and I'd, I'd hug them. I'd tell them, hey, I love you and I'm praying for you. And then I would sing this song. I cast all my cares upon you. I lay all of my burdens down at your feet. And any time I don't know what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. Here's a beautiful thing. You ready? I can sing that now and they still start crying. Like when they go through something, I'll be like, hey, do I need to sing the song for you? No, please don't. (laughs) I don't know if it's because they don't like my singing or if they just don't like the, I don't know, but that's okay. Here's the thing though. I, I read this verse and I go, you've been talking about humble myself under the mighty power of God. You've talked about how God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Here's this whole thing on humility. Then like out of the blue, Peter, you put in this thing about give all your worries and cares to God for he cares for you. It's almost like he's like having this, this conversation and he goes, hey, 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 here's the thought. Cast all your cares upon God. And he's gonna dive back into this idea of humility. Why in the world would Peter be like, hey, cast all of your cares to God? Question, why do we worry? Can I tell you why I worry? Because I'm not in control. I've learned the older that I've gotten, the more of a control freak I am. Like if you've got teenagers that are learning to drive, you'll realize real quick 
how much control you really like and how much control you really don't have when they're behind the wheel. Like, I don't know who thought of, make, let's, make, let's make cars and we're going to put the steering wheel and the gas and brake on one side but not on the other. And then let's put a kid at the age of 15 behind the wheel. Like, who's brought, and not, let's do it with a daughter. Who's like, so, like, look over there. You're like, stop. Like, I love it. We'd go on trips and my wife would be like, hey, the girls need to log some highway time. No, they don't. Baby, they can barely do city streets. Now you want me to let them get in a car and do 70? Are you crazy? I'd be like, no, they don't need highway time. They'll get that when I'm not in the car with them. Perfectly fine. Go and be blessed. You know what I mean? But we'd get them in the car, and I realized that I couldn't sit in the front seat with them because I would nag them to death. Hey, watch this. Oh, don't get too close. Hey, watch over there. Hey, look over. So, like, question for you, like, if you blow a tire out, and all of a sudden they're like, why would I blow a tire out? Like, I'm just going, I'm just scenarioing it with you, baby. I'm just getting you to think ahead, like, just in case something happens. Like, I'd have to sit in the back seat. I'd have to take a nap. I'd have to watch a movie, read a book, do something to get my mind. Why? Because I want to be in control. When we worry, here's, here's what the problem is. We worry because, guess what? We, we don't think God is big enough to handle it. Remember, verse 6, humble yourselves under what? The mighty power of God. See, here, here's the problem. We don't think God can handle our worries. I have to take care of this. I've got this. God, no, I, I, I got this. I'm okay. God, you can't, it, this is too small for you. Or there's no way, God, you'll ever take this problem. See, here's the deal. He is big enough. He is strong enough. He is caring enough. He is right enough. He is enough, period. God is enough. So why are you worried? If you're worried, if you have cares or concerns, then you struggle with pride. You don't have a care issue. You have a pride issue. You're still trying to control things. You're still operating from the prideful perspective of, I've got this. I can do this. First Peter 5, 8, and 9 tells us the next thing. Not, not only do we need to humble ourselves under God and give our worries and cares to God, but then we need to stay alert. Why? Because guess what? Life is going to happen. You're going to end up in circumstances and situations that show you're not in control and it's going to bring parts into your life that you go, man, I, I don't deal with pride. I'm okay. Well, do you worry? Yeah, look at this. First Peter 5, 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Again, I'm reading this going, why in the world would he all of a sudden switch after pride and humility to now we're talking about the devil? Why are we talking about the enemy? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. You're not alone. But we've got to stay alert. Why? Because the devil is looking to pick us off. 
He's looking to, to take us out. And the thing that's going to take us out the most is pride. It will take us out quicker than anything. Pride is our problem. Satan is our enemy. A lot of times when we get into arguments, I have to remind myself of this, even with my wife. She's not the enemy. Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, for an enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not in this room. Your enemy doesn't go to another church. Your enemy isn't your nemesis from grade school. Your enemy is Satan. He is the enemy. And he's looking for us to be able to pick us off. So what do we do? We stay alert. We watch out. We stand firm. We be strong. We remember. Satan will do everything in his power to distract, discourage, and diminish you and I. So watch out. He will try to get you to become the single most important person in life and take the spotlight off of Jesus and his grace in our lives. So stand firm. He will get you to isolate and to insulate from those around you, making you alone. Remember, you're not alone. There are believers all over the world going through the exact same thing that you're going through, who have the same struggles. Lastly is this, remember his call. Not remember your call, remember his call. God is the one who has called you and I to live this Christian life. You didn't go, you know what, I need Jesus, I'm I'm coming to him. God was pursuing you and calling you to himself. And we answered that call. We said, Lord, I, I do need you. I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And it's all about you. Look at this in 1 Peter 5.10. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. Notice he didn't say he called you to share in his eternal glory by means of what you've done, by your good deeds, by your righteousness, by your attendance at church, by the number of gold stars you had as a kid for perfect attendance. It says, only by the means of Christ Jesus. So that after you have suffered a little while, after you've gone through some stuff, after you've dealt with things, he will restore, he will support, he will strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. You'll experience some tough days. You'll go through some hard things. You'll have to experience some things because of your pride. Remember that God, in his grace, has called you to share in his glory so that you can give him all of the glory. So here's your life in action question tonight. Where do you react and respond from? Where do you live from? Is it from pride? Is it from false humility? Or is it from a place of true humility? Where is it that you're living from? You know, it's really easy with pride to, we easily would say, Ryan, I am not a proud person. I'm truly a humble person. I'm a humble servant of God. Can I tell you, pride sneaks in in the smallest of ways. It doesn't take much. It's sometimes not this grandiose thing. It's not a gigantic power struggle. It's little things. 
Would you pray with me real quick? Where do you respond from? Do you respond from a place of pride or a place of humility? If you respond from a place of pride, would you right now where you're at just say, God, would you forgive me of my pride? What, what worries do you have right now? Are you worried about where the next paycheck will come from? Are you worried about where you're going to get food or you're going to have enough money to put gas in the car? Or? Is there a health thing going on? Is there an issue at work or an issue in your life, in your marriage, in your family? Do you have a care this, this evening? Would you take that care to God because he cares for you? Your worries and your anxieties, your fears, remember, just show pride. God, tonight in these next few moments, Lord, would you, would you begin to show us where those little cracks are, where those little seeds of pride have gotten into our lives. God, would you help us to pull them up? Dig up the, the roots of pride. So that, God, we, we truly could be a humble person. God, we, we need your grace in our lives, not your opposition. So, Lord, even the heart that comes in tonight and says, I don't deal with pride. Lord, would you truly begin to search us and know us? Because God, you, you will only use a broken people, not a proud people, not a people who think they have all of the answers, but a people who realize that the only answer is you, is not within us. God, would you do something amazing in our hearts and lives? Would you do something amazing in this community? Would you start a movement, God, that is based on humility and love? God, would you help us to do the the road work right now? God, would you help us to do the, the work of the tending of the soil of our hearts to find those little weeds? that will quickly spring up and choke out the truth of your word. For it's in your name we pray, God. Amen and amen. I'd like you to take your workbooks and turn to page 36. This will be a lot shorter than last night, but I want to go over real quick the the heart that God revives, the, the proud people versus the broken people. And so it's kind of like this spectrum idea. Some people have taken this and they're like, well, wait a minute, that's one end and this is the other end and kind of somewhere in the middle. But I want you to think honestly about where you are. Look at number five. Proud people have to prove that they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Where do you fit on that spectrum? Where would you, you check the box for you? 
For me, a lot of times I'm on number five. I'm on that, that proud side. Get you with number nine, desire. Proud people desire to be a success. Broken people are motivated to be faithful and to make others a success. Number 15, proud people are self-conscious. Broken people are not concerned with their self at all. What are you on? Get number 17. Proud people are quick to blame others. And a broken people accept personal responsibility and can see where they are wrong in a situation. Number 20, this, this one gets me sometimes too. Find it, proud people find it difficult to share their spiritual need with others. Broken people are willing to be open and transparent with others as God directs them. Number 22, proud people have a hard time saying, I was wrong, will you please forgive me? Broken people are quick to admit failure and to seek forgiveness when necessary. These are just some some statements. Kind of help us gauge where are we with the pride and the humility. And so here's what what I want to do. I want to, again, create kind of a a sacred moment for us to just kind of work this out. Uh, And I want to ask that that you would just take the next 10 minutes, 15, however long you need, and just work through this. When you you get to a side that says, uh, you know, you, you put that check mark on the proud side, would you just stop in that moment and say, God, would you forgive me? For this. this, this is a tendency that I have, God, and I don't like this about myself. God, would you please forgive me for that? And then move on to the next one. And just take some moments and work through this. If you've got kids in base camp or happy heart, remember, they're well taken care of. Remember how quickly they ran out of here tonight. They love being in there. Our, our, our team is with them. They're okay. When you're done, would you just kind of gather your stuff and quietly step out and Go out into the foyer and carry your conversations out there and get your kids. And I pray that you have a, a great evening and a wonderful day tomorrow. Thank you for setting this time aside to meet with God and with each other. God bless you.